2: So welcome to the latest episode of Your Stories Told Your Way which is an opportunity for you, the listeners, to actually tell your stories about your famous ancestors and I'll have a chat with you and add them as an episode on the podcast This episode I got to have a great conversation with Adrina and Barney Xavier who tell me all about their ancestor Asquith Xavier who won a wonderful civil rights battle in the UK and helped to usher in the Race Relations Act changing employment for all black people and minorities in Britain at the time. Just a quick warning. The language gets a little bit blue in this episode and there are a few topics and racial epitaphs that are used. That if you're not ready for younger children to listen to, just ask that perhaps right now you maybe get them to leave the room or put your headphones on. Anyway, I hope you enjoy the episode and I hope you enjoy the conversation. It certainly helped to educate me. So please kick back, relax, and enjoy the show. I'm Ebani Xavier Co.
3: and I'm Adriana Xavier. And today we are talking about um, Asquith Xavier, my mum's uncle, my great uncle. No, he's not my great uncle, is he? Your grand uncle. My grand uncle. Yes,
4: um, Asquith Camille Xavier was my father's elder brother. My father is Evan's grandfather.
2: Okay, so, um, so I, I came across um Asquith uh at a presentation that you guys gave and um I just thought it was an amazing story that's that's worth sharing. So like so so, so tell us about um Asquith. What did he do? Um and what what part did he play in like the world that we're living in today?
3: He came over as part of the Windrush generation because he was mm-hmm. told that England is his mother country, the streets are paved with gold.
4: Enoch Powell came to Dominica and he was asking for the people in Dominica. and He went to most of the Caribbean, but he was in Dominica and he was asking the Dominicans to go to England because the mother country, the the script was the mother country needs you. The script, Mm. the streets of London are paved with gold. You have to help the mother country. So everybody packed their suitcase, jumped on a boat. came over
2: here the politician who went to Dominica and invited the people to the UK was a mr. John Enoch Powell most famous for a speech titled rivers of blood that he delivered whilst the shadow defense secretary for the UK I've uh, found a very short clip um, and I'm gonna play it now In this country, in 15 or 20 years' time,
3: the black man will have the whip hand over the white man. Well, I can already hear the chorus of execration.
2: How dare I say such a horrible thing? How dare I stir up trouble and inflame feelings by repeating such a conversation. My answer is that I do not have the right not to do so. Okay, so now back to the interview.
4: When they hey. came over here, they've got a frosty reception like the weather. <laughs> and... um we couldn't get any housing. I came over here on the boat as well with my parents.
2: Okay. So you came any... over on, did you come over on the Windrush or?
4: No, Windrush was before me. I came here in 1963. Windrush mm-hmm. was 1957, around that time. Yeah, so we came over here on the boat. It took us three and a half weeks to get over here. We landed at Southampton. And um, when we came over here, my mum said, How come the place is so dark? And why is there so much smoke? That was Mm. the chimneys from the houses. And the smog was making the place dark. Wow. Anyway, we went to Paddington. Most of the Xavier family lived in Paddington. Even today, if you go to Paddington, a lot of the people over there are from St. Lucia and Dominica. But that was our area.
3: So Mm -hmm. when they came and they, they... basically they never left they, they got there they stayed there they're still there <laughs> they're not they're not going
2: it's like that right across london when you actually look at it yeah like there are little pockets where like there's this is jamaica this is saint lucia this is saint vincent mm-hmm. this is barbados um and yeah. never so much as not really leaving but a lot of people are getting pushed out now i guess the right word gentrification's coming getting pushed Mm out okay so you guys arrived in Paddington the the ex-clan the Zabiers arrived in Paddington and took over (laughs) with the rest of little Dominica um so when you when you got here like you know kind of what happened the reception was frosty, like the weather um
4: what took place then oh um my father and his Brother and sister came over here before me and my mum did, and they got a house. We rented the house. So Uncle Aswith lived in the top floor, then their sister lived on the next floor down. Mm-hmm. We lived on the next floor down, <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and uh, another family member lived on, in the basement. That was in St Stephen's Gardens in Paddington, in Notting Hill. But- Yeah, they were mansion um, houses. Mm -hmm. So they had the high ceilings and the high floorboards, um, the the high skirting boards. So they were, they were, they're grand now. They weren't grand then. Okay. So we had, I think it was one room. Yeah. We had one room and it was my mum and dad, my two brothers and myself. And then as soon as my mum came over here, she fell pregnant. She hadn't seen my dad for two two and a half years.
2: (laughs) (laughs) The family grew
4: quick. (laughs) Yes. It was a full stop after my sister, though. We came here um, November 1963, and my sister was born September 1964. So, you know, mum, mum was pregnant, boy. So it was six of us in one room. Mm My mum just bought a curtain, and this piece was the children's side, that piece was her side, and then there was another big piece, and that was the front room. Wow. So that's how it was. And um, we eventually moved. And, um, yeah, we moved from St. Stephen Gardens, and we got another place, but it was still the same, same one room. And we lived there until my dad got a job as a schoolkeeper and got our own house.
2: You guys kind of had to.
4: Uncle Asquith was.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, go on, you say?
2: Yeah. And so so you were just about to talk about Uncle Asquith.
4: He, um, he I think he worked in the Walls ice cream factory at first. The...
0: hmm.
4: Until he got the job in a. In the train station.
2: Okay, so he started working um, in the train station. So, which train station did he, he did he work in, and and how did he get the job, and how was it when he started? I mean, you said the reception in the country was frosty. Was he welcomed? Was he welcomed in on the trains?
4: You must be joking. I think he started off as a cleaner or a porter. Mm-hmm. He was working at Marylebone station, and. Um, Think that time, all the dignitaries used to come through Marylebone station, and when they came through the station, they would give them a day off, because they didn't want no no dark-skinned people mm-hmm. be there when the Queen or the Queen family come come to get their plate, their train to go wherever they're going. And um, he got fed up with that, and the job came up at Houston. and um, he applied for it, and they turned him down. Wow. And that's where the fight started.
2: Okay. So, y- you know, so, so so why did they why did they turn him down? And, and you, sorry, you're just about to, to say, and that's where the fight started. Like, why did they turn him down, and, and what happened after that point?
4: They never had no reason to turn him down. They were turning him down because he was black. Hmm. And at that time, there was no um, people of colour as a station guard welcoming, you know like how the people are at the barriers now, Mm -hmm. how they tell you to go to platform this and platform that and ask questions. Black people didn't do that that time. Mm. Black people were just a cleaner or they would collect the cases to put on the trains, but they wouldn't be, they wouldn't have that important role to speak to the public. So when he applied for the job, he had all the, the qualifications that they asked for, but they still turned him down. I, re- I remember him saying to my mum, I'm going to fling my hand. And when I fling my hand, they'll see what I'm talking about. When mm. He says fling his hand up, He's going to write letters of complaint and he's going to take it further.
2: Okay. So flinging his hand didn't mean he was going to hit anybody. Surprised. No attacking yeah, was taking place. place. He was, he was going to use words of rather the than fists. The yeah, power so of, the
4: of the pen. pen. So um, Okay that's how all this thing came about sure okay he uh, he got the job but after he got the job he was racially abused he got a lot of threatening letters threatening to kill him he had to have police escort and eventually he had to move house and that's how he ended up in chatham
3: oh yeah and we, and his um family are still in chatham most of them are still in chatham in kent
2: Okay. So they actually eventually would, like, they had to move from Paddington from, you know, the the, the home that you'd come to, to, what, for safety?
4: Yeah. They moved from Paddington to Chelsea, from mm-hmm. place. And from there, that was temporary. And from there, they moved to Chatton. And they bought the house in Chatham.
2: And so... You know, like I think looking at it from today, especially from today's point of view, like you look at the the the, the guards and the ticket inspectors and the people who help you on the platform, and and if you've ever travelled in London, it is super multicultural. Yeah. But yeah. going back to that time then, like we are literally talking about a world, and it's not that far ago. I mean, what are we talking about? 60? Really, sixty six. Yeah. 67, you know, England had what? Just won the World Cup. Um mm-hmm. so we're talking what 40, 50 years ago, not not long ago. This is living memory here. And there were no like the black people were only allowed to be cleaners. And there were no black guards Like mm-hmm. I'm just trying to visualize a world where I wake up and I'm making my journey to work and I get to the train station or on the buses and there's no black people. I turn on the TV and there's no black people. I open up the newspaper and there's no black people. And as much as we're still kind of fighting that fight for representation now, mm-hmm. it almost blows my mind to think that there was a time when, that, that of the beginning of that fight here in the UK. Because I, I, don't, I think because of people like Asquith, I never had to grow up. In that in that environment, not in London anyway. I never had to grow up in an environment where I didn't actually see people who looked like me around me. I was born in Brixton, um, you, you know. Everybody, my my dad had a record shop in Brixton. Everybody I knew who was working was of colour or Caribbean. There was mixture in the school, but it's funny to think that only a few years earlier that that whole world just didn't exist. Mm -hmm. and I think it's quite a it's quite a huge thing and it's something you should be really proud of um because we talk about Rosa Parks in the U.S. what she did um by sitting on a bus but I think to some degree like what Asquith has done by using by taking action and use what's the phrase what was the phrase you used throwing hands
3: right by throwing
2: his hand and and using the power of the pen is just is almost just as important. I mean, after yeah. he kind of got his his job and moved forward, did things change on the rails, or, or did or was he the only one?
3: There was an Irishman, yeah. Because you know okay. the sign was no blacks, no dogs, no Irish,
0: mm-hmm.
3: or something along those lines. Yeah. And yeah. he Uncle Asquith was the um, the Irishman was like his apprentice yeah, kind he- of thing. Wow. So he took the The Irishman under his wing, trained him because even though he was white, he was
4: still classed as just Irish. Yeah, Irish, Irish people and black people they joined together Mm. because the same way they wouldn't give us a room, they wouldn't give the Irish a room. Mm. Yeah, so they had a lot of problems as well. I think they came over here after the the potato famine around the same time as
3: when we came over here and then because of Angela's so. fight um what was that what was changed the color bar came into play yeah. which is um the act that says you cannot not give someone a job based on the color of their skin race relations act yeah the right ra- then from that we got the race relations act
2: so, again, so going back to what I'm saying, like, he, his act directly influenced the law, like, and, yeah. and we can't kind of, we shouldn't really um, play that down. Because once you change the law, that now means that, like, his act gave the rest of us and those who came after him the legal right to apply yeah. for these jobs and the expectation to get them as long yeah. as we are qualified.
3: Yeah.
2: Wow. That's amazing. I mean, I, I like I said uh, um, when we were talking earlier, I, I came across this story at a black history presentation that you guys did. And I also saw um you guys were featured on on television as well, weren't you? You're were on the BBC talking about this. How, how how did that come about and how did you find that experience?
4: I got a phone call from this woman. saying that she wanted to interview me. So I got my back up. I said, oh, "Who's this white woman calling me? I don't know. Why don't she wanted want to in- <laughs> <laughs> So um, I put the phone down on her and she called me back and said, oh, I think we were cut off. And then she, <laughs> she started to explain. <laughs> she started to explain. She got in touch with my cousin, Uncle Lasker's daughter.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, she said, she told her to call my cousin Adrina. She knows more about it because she's around them times. I wasn't. <laughs> Mummy's like the,
3: um, the Xavier family Historian. encyclopedia. She knows okay. all things Xavier.
2: So, so, so they called you. The one show called you. You hung up. They called back. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, she called me back. And um, we were talking. She explained that my cousin Sharon had given her my phone number. And she told me what she wanted to do, and they wanted to meet up with us. So myself and a few of my cousins um, met up with her. When she says cousins, she means Uncle Laskov's children. No, mm-hmm. Auntie I children as well. Oh, okay. Well, a few of the first cousins. Um, they took us to a hotel in Chatham. Really nice hotel, five-star treatment, and then they did the um, presentation on the show.
2: This next clip is just a short clip from the one show that was shown on the BBC uh, where Adrena actually got to see a plaque honouring Asquith.
1: We've persuaded Network Rail to honour him permanently in the heart of the station.
4: I've got a little something, a little surprise to show you all. If you want to pull back
1: this curtain... (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so, yeah, this plaque is going to stand here now for your father's oh, legacy. Yeah. No, you're
4: welcome. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> must be really emotional. <laughs> it's indescribable. <the> <laughs> when we came in there, I think it knocked, knocked us <laughs> all sides. Really. Oh, I'm very happy today. I'm
1: very pleased this happened. Oh. Thank you. Xavier's fight helped to make all forms of discrimination in the workplace illegal. His is a name that we should all know.
2: So now, back to the interview.
4: Okay. And uh, when we got to um, Houston, we saw this big crowd of people. So I said to my cousin, "Oh, someone important's coming. Have you got your camera?" Anyway, we're following the crowd now, and the woman says, can you just go around to, to the left? We went around to the left, and we saw this um, this um, black um, curtain. Yeah. And we stand up there thinking, what's going on? Then they pulled the curtain, and it was my uncle's plaque. It was really oh. fearful, But I remember all the things that he went through, how he used to have to run home from Euston we used to live in Kentish Town
0: Mm.
4: so he would leave Euston station when he had his late shift and there was no no transport those times after certain times so we'd have to walk from Euston station to Kentish Town where we live yeah and it just brought brought everything back
3: and that's where mum met um the Irish apprentice
4: yeah you actually got to meet him yeah yeah he came his phone number somewhere, so number.
2: Wow, and, and what
4: was that like? Well when he saw the, the plaque as well and he saw all of us he was in tears because he said um, he couldn't get the job and it was my uncle that took him under his wing and and told him what to do, what to write, what to say and then he got the job and I think now he's um he's a rep for the RM RMT. Wow. Royal that that Railwomen's Union. It was yeah. For
2: that oh, while, wow. yeah. I, so, so 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 let me get this straight. So so the apprentice who started it wasn't just like oh the the apprentice had to fight to be an apprentice, and then you know your your uncle then had to coach him through. And how to, and so what he also had to write letters and so forth in order to, to get where he wanted to get to. It wasn't just a straight walk through.
4: No, it wasn't. Uh, he's Irish,
3: <laughs>
4: mm. isn't it? No, no blacks,
3: no dogs, no Irish.
4: <laughs> yeah. The
2: concept is still crazy. Even in today's world, we, we look at kind of the, the, the fight for rights that we're still going through to this day. Mm-hmm.
3: I don't think um, that'd be strange.
2: You don't, so, 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 so talk to me about that.
4: that. You still... Mm-hmm. I think...
3: That, that... Just say it as it is. You can edit it if you need to. We're not
2: editing anything. You just say it as you want to say it. <laughs> Because <laughs> that's the purpose of this. This is the whole point of this is that we get to say what we think on our platforms, no edits, and it it goes out as is. So yeah, say say what you have to say.
4: All right, the way I see it, it's the same shit, different day. Mm. Only now they put in rose-colored glasses, say everything is fine, all multicultural all and interracial and I think it's exactly the same as when I was seven really yeah
2: I mean I but think now,
4: when I was seven I have... you, you knew a white person didn't like you so you didn't rule, you didn't you didn't play with them you didn't have anything to do with them
0: mm-hmm.
4: but now certain people say yes you know like they'll play like they like you
0: mm.
4: they, t- they try to It's like rose-colored glasses
2: Mm.
4: over the situation. That's how I see
2: it. What you're saying is, it looks good, but it's not good. Yeah. And how about yourself, Barney?
3: Um, I've seen it in. In my in. In my profession, I've seen it. Okay.
2: So Barney, is a school teacher. Okay. And so, what Um, do you do? Fight. Okay.
3: There there comes a point where you just like is there any point, you know?
2: Yeah, I I I totally I, I totally know exactly what you mean. I mean I've worked in several industries and several different jobs, and it was only maybe after the first ten years of working that I looked back over my professions and realised I was the only senior black manager in each of the companies that I worked in for 10 years.
3: Yeah. I'm, I'm, the, I'm currently the only non-white member of staff mm-hmm. at my school, um, which I've never, I've never been that before. Mm. Um, so for me, it was very foreign going into it. Mm. Uh, but yeah, but um, here's what it is in the, the day. If I want to progress, then there's going to be situations okay. and there's going to be things that I'm going to, and because of the era I live in, there's going to be instances where I'm going to be the only black member of staff. Mm. But I'm not going to let it deter me from achieving what it is mm-hmm. I want to achieve.
2: I understand, and and Adrena, um, for yourself, like you know, you grew up seeing all of this. How did that affect you as a as a young child? You know, as you must have been what around about eight or nine at the time when this started. Um, how did this affect you as a as? How did this affect your childhood seeing this and knowing that your uncle's going through this? Like you guys were pretty much in the same house, in each other's lives all the time.
4: When I was younger, I'm going to say it as it is, okay? Mm-hmm, Arizona, it. I didn't have white people. Okay. They couldn't talk to me, they couldn't breathe on me, they couldn't look at me. It was a fight. Mm. That's just how it was.
2: And is that because of what off. you saw th- your so family go through or what you went through?
4: What the family and myself went through.
2: Okay.
3: Tell them your story about... um. Love thy neighbour.
4: Oh, there's two stories. There's one time when we were coming from the doctors. It was myself. My mum just had my sister. Um, my brother also. All of us would accept my dad. And my mum went to get a pill because she said she didn't want no more children. After that. Mm-hmm. Because England was too hard. So she went to the doctor and the doctor said, Yes, you can get the pill, but here's a letter. Take this home and let your husband sign it. And if he signs it, then I can give you the pill. Cover up the, the um doctor's surgery. And there's this white man following us. My mum started walking faster, so we started running behind her. And she got to the stage where when I mean, she just not too long had a baby, so she got to say well, she got tired. So she turned around and said to him, What do you want? And he says, "Oh, it's all right, love. I don't. Want, I'm not going to hurt you. I just want to see your tail." So Pardon? He, he thought, "Yeah, he just wanted to see our tails, <clears throat> because he thought black people had tails, because that was what was said. When when the black guys used to go to dances and pick a white woman to dance with, the white woman used to be filling up their bottom." And the black man is thinking, yes, the woman like like me, you no, know, wanted to see if you had a tail. Wow. Uh-huh.
2: Wow. Sorry, that...
4: Oh, yeah, that yeah, yeah. threw you.
2: <laughs> that did. Do you know do you know what that did throw me? That freed me for a lot of reasons. Um even brushing past the tail thing, but the fact mm-hmm. that she didn't want to have any more children because The country was too hard like to reach a point where you don't want to have children you don't want to bring them into this world says a lot about the environment and what you're going through you know when you just decide nah i can't bring children into this that that sorry that really yeah that stopped me in my tracks
4: and the the tail thing
2: (laughs) (laughs) i did not even go in (laughs) there If, I can't go there. I can't go there. You hear some... Oh, my... Uh, yes, please.
4: When we were, when we were in Dominica, my, when we went back to Dominica, my mama said, used to tell me about her little shop. So I was expecting to see this little ramshack little little shop. Mm. When we went to Dominica, she said to me, oh, that's my little shop there. I'm still looking for this ramshack little shop. I can't see no little shop. Look, it's in front of you. It was a supermarket, a big, massive supermarket. That was her little wow. shop. Wow. And the house that we had, I've got a thing about arches. I don't know where I get it from. But every house I, I've bought, I have to put an arch in there. Yeah. The house that we had in Dominica was a big, massive white house, and there was arches everywhere. No doors. Just had an archway to go through to the next room to the next room to the next when we came to England, we were in one room with curtains dividing <laughs> the space. <laughs> and my mum was a cleaner. Yeah. In Dominica, my dad worked on the ports as a customer excise officer and part-time maths tutor. And in England, they put him to work in a Walls ice cream shop. Hmm. Walls ice cream factory. He used to make ice cream for us every Saturday in Dominica. (sighs) Until he ended up being a caretaker. And these were professional people. Yeah. And that's what we came to England for. Streets of London are paved with gold. My mum said the only thing she saw in London was dog shit everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) That was the only gold she saw in London.
2: Wow. And, and uh, there's so much I want to say, but I want to hear this other story. I want to make sure I get all these stories first. Like, so, so what, what was the other story?
3: Love thy neighbor. Lo- Love thy neighbor.
2: Lo- Please. Oh, my
3: God, was- It's a TV program. You remember yeah, that? I re- Okay, so I've
2: seen the show, and, and um, for those who haven't seen it, if I remember correctly, Love Thy Neighbour was, it was a 60s, 70s sitcom about a black family and a white family yeah. who were next-door neighbours, and the white family was really racist, and the black family were just really, I guess they were the loving. <laughs> the other family was the neighbours, yeah. and the, I guess the black family were the, the, were the loving, because it was, and it was about the, it was groundbreaking at the time. Um, yeah. I remember reading about it, but for sure. so 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 when you say love 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 thy neighbour, what were you in it or or did that happen?
4: Oh, I hated it. I hated that program. I was at mm-hmm. school and they used to call me Eddie because no one could remember Adrena. Okay. heard them they said. So I was in primary school and it was Eddie, Eddie, Eddie. We were making friends and everything. Just started to get used to being friends with white people because I started I had to mingle now.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Went home, Love Thy Neighbor was on. And because it was a a black family, black people on TV them times was was a rarity. So everybody sit on watching Love Thy Neighbor. And you're hearing all these racist, all these racist names they call you on the street anyway Mm. but it's
2: on tv so i was familiar with the show love thy neighbor or at least i thought i was so once i'd finished my chat with Obani and adrina i decided to go and actually check it out to see what type of show it was um you know sometimes our memories can play tricks on us and so i found some clips from Love Thy Neighbour and I'm going to play you some of what Adrien is talking about right now
1: I wish to make
4: a complaint against a Nick <laughs> equal rights does not Nick Nignogs to move next door I'm not frightened of Sambo <laughs> <laughs> you can't reason with a Sambo you haven't got the intellect of course he does he's a Sambo <laughs> he's got
1: a Sambo stomach <laughs> I'm white I've got a good white British stomach <laughs> sorry love I'm all right, for Sambo. No good for me. Now, why were we, Sambo?
4: My name is Bill, not Sambo, right? Charlie's a scouse, Paddy's a Mick, and you're a Sambo. It's not your fault.
2: And so now we go back to the interview, and Adrena picks up from where she left off.
4: When I go to school the next day, no more Eddie. I was black Sambo, Nig nog. Oh, my God, Mm -hmm. 21 Mm -hmm. fights in one week. They were going to expel me from school. Wow. They changed my name from Eddie to Cassius Clay. (laughs) I hate that program.
2: (laughs) It's funny you say that because uh, something similar happened when I was at school. And um, I'll never forget it. Like I, I went to, I went to school and the school was, they, the, the school had just converted from, well, it was an old grammar school. So I it was it's quite hard to get into. And, and I'd got into the school. We had to fight to get me into the school anyway. I had the best yeah. um, exam results for the year. Like at my 11 plus I had the best exam results for the year in the whole borough. Right. And they still rejected me from the school. And um, I remember my mum fought to, to, again, now, now I'm never gonna forget that phrase. Now she had to throw her hands, right, to 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 get yeah. me into the school. She wrote letters and so on, and, and she actually wound up being on the board of governors for the school because that's what my mother's like. Um, and um, I never forget that one. One week, I think Roots came on British television. Oh my
4: god, that's
2: another story. Okay, right, and and so up to this point, um. There was, there was a few, I think there was maybe four or five of us black in my year, right? At least in my in my year group, right? And um, there was a couple in the year above and a few more in the year below. And everybody kind of mingled. You had the black kids and the Irish kids and the Indian kids and, and some white kids and so forth. But I never forget the day after Roots came on TV, you literally saw... The the, the colour lines form. Like people yeah. who didn't talk to each other, everybody just formed up. And um my history teacher, um I won't say his name, but, he, and he was also the head of year at the time. He, uh, he, uh, he uh, this is where you see the old colonial attitude come into play. It was almost like he was like, right, I need to, I need to quieten the natives. He kind of had that attitude. And I remember him coming out and giving a speech about a certain television show and then finishing the speech off by saying, and remember everybody, that it was Africans who sold you. And that was the end of it. The alarm bell rang and that was off the class. And we were like, what What the hell? And a little bit like you're saying, like after that, everybody's name changed. And fights broke out and there there were arguments and people who were friends before weren't friends anymore and all sorts. So now that you say it about things not changing, like I think we probably find that each generation has a similar story where some of these TV programs that come out that seem to do good are actually just re- enforcing old stereotypes and handing them to new generations.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Divide and rule thing. That's how they do it every so often. They bring out these things.
2: Yeah. You'll be going on, getting on with your life, all happy. And then all of a sudden, uh, the latest epic slave drama comes on TV. And here we go again.
3: Yeah.
4: You've got your colleagues at
2: work asking you, was it hard? (laughs)
3: Yeah. Oh, I love your hair! Can I touch your hair? Oh, your hair's so soft. Can I touch it? Your hair's so cool. Oh my gosh, miss your hair's so cool.
2: So b- before this descends and goes somewhere, <laughs> goes somewhere, and goes somewhere, I hadn't intended. Um, I do just want to ask, like, um, so you know, so so for people who are are listening to this. Um, Adrina, especially I want to ask you like, you know, you went through your experiences in the UK, you saw your your um, your ancestor go through his experiences in the UK what would you say to younger people coming up now?
4: I'm going to come here <laughs> <laughs> when I see when I see adults from the Caribbean Come up here, and they complaining. I always say to them, "You read any books? You do know what England was like before you come up here. Mm. You had a choice. I didn't have no choice. When I came up here, it was on a boat, and I was three and a half. I never had no choice. So shut up complaining because you knew what you was coming into."
2: Hmm. All you Stop. can't hear must feel.
4: Yes. Mm-hmm. want well, to stay in their country and build up their country. They want to come here and make money. Yeah, make money, but make sure you have the intention to go back. do mm. stay here till you're 99 and then you go back. And when you're 99 days, years and one day you die, you don't get to enjoy your country.
2: So, Adrina and Obani, thank you both very, very, very much for your time.
3: Thank you. Thank girl. you
2: very much for your time. It's really appreciated. So, that was abani and Adrina Xavier sharing their story their way about their ancestor Asquith Xavier. And I really enjoyed. That conversation, it raised so many issues that are probably gonna stay with me for weeks and weeks and weeks. Racism, representation on, on television, um, the fact that Adrena's mother had to actually get a permission slip from her husband to get the pill. Um, Tails being on black men being a thing. Um, All sorts of things uh, raised up, but I'm very grateful that I got to have the conversation and I hope that you enjoyed it and the next episode will be coming along soon so that's your stories told your way if you have a story that you would like to share then you can please email me at blackhistorybuff777 at gmail.com or you can find me on Instagram at blackhistorybuff777 or on Facebook at blackhistorybuff777 Twitter by the same name so please reach out um, come and find me DM me share your stories your way and we can have a great chat about it so take care and you'll hear from me all soon